Well, hey there. Thank you so much for listening to our Big Time Talker podcast. We're on the Blog Talk Radio Network live and worldwide from my studio here in Washington, D.C. I'm Burke Allen. Thank you so much for listening. The podcast is a service of our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau with a new virtual speaker accreditation available. Check out SpeakerMatch.com. Well, today on the Big Talker podcast, we've got rock and roll royalty. These ladies are members of a very exclusive club. If you are a fan of Motown Magic, you're going to love this conversation. As we welcome to the show, my friends, Sherry Payne and Suze Green, the former ladies of the Supremes. Hi, ladies. <laughs> Hi, Hi. Hi, Hi. Joining us from Southern California. And, Sherry, I want to start with you and go all the way back. Uh, we always think of, of Motown music as Detroit music. Are you a Detroit girl originally? Yes, born and raised, Frida and I, born and raised in Detroit. The big D, and I don't mean Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> and and you mentioned Frida, your sister Frida, very well known as a solo act and had that, that enormous hit, Band of Gold. Um, uh, did did you look to Frida in, in music? I mean, did you guys come up singing together as so many people did in church? Take me all the way back. Okay, well, you know, we both sang, but we didn't. We never sang in church. It's amazing. Everybody thinks that. I guess they think all black people sang no, in church. Oh, hey, <laughs> hey, look out. <laughs> but, but, for some reason, we didn't. We went to church every Sunday, Bethel AMA, the same church that the Gordy family went to, because my mother grew up with the Gordy family, his, Barry and his sisters, and worked at Mama and Papa Gordy's store when she was a teenager. But no, Frida and I never sang in church, and we never really sang together. It's amazing. In fact, Frida, when she was young, she was too shy to sing. She wouldn't even sing in front of our mother. She would make mama leave the room or she'd get behind a curtain and then she would sing. But I was the, uh, uh, the gregarious one. I was the, um, the ex Shocked and surprised. I, I couldn't imagine that being the case. Wow. When my mother would have her friends over, I would ask to sing. I wouldn't even ask. I would just start singing. And when I finished, I said, you want to hear it again? And yeah. before they could even reply, I would just sing the song again. That's how I was. And then <laughs> when Frida was 12 and I was 10, we changed reverse roles for some reason. Frida became the extrovert and I became the introvert. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> not, not sure it's about interesting, it. isn't it? Yeah, isn't it, Suze? Yeah. Now, what about you, Suze? Where is home for you? Home, I was born in Houston, Texas, of course, but I grew up in New York City. I consider myself a New Yorker, and I went to a professional children's school and and to Jackson High School for a short period of time before um, before I went to performing arts, which is the school that fame, the movie and the TV show and all that was made about. And I uh, majored in drama there. And show business has been my life, I guess, pretty much since I was a little bitty kid. But we came on the way to New York from Texas. We went to Denver, Colorado, where my parents were a couple of the the earliest black DJs in America. Is that right? That's right. That's well, right. Sherry, mm -hmm. your, your original success there in, in Detroit, can you remember the first time you walked into or were exposed to some of those those classic 60s Motown artists? 
Wow. Let me see. Probably, I guess, when I went to the 20 grand uh, and they were some of them were performing like the four tops. I remember seeing the four tops there and um, uh, met Tammy Terrell there. And uh, I remember seeing, oh, I remember meeting the, not meeting, but seeing the Supremes at Edgewater Park when they were performing. And uh, this was before they even had any big hits, uh, just little local hits. And I could even see what gowns they, what dresses, I won't say gowns they had on. They were like black velvet with a little bow at the waist mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. white tops, little white uh, uh, tops to them. And uh, I'm trying to think, who else did I see? Oh, Marv Johnson, I think. And Wow. Uh, yeah, it just goes on and on. But you, know, you just sort of took it for granted. Detroit had so much talent going on. Yeah, there. sure. Sure did. Mm-hmm. And and Suze is a, a New York City kid. Were there musical uh, influences that that maybe you went to school at that Fame High School with you know other kids that that went on to to successful careers? Oh, of course. Many of many of these kids were honed at a very young age, you know, for professional careers in New York. And you can specialize. You know, I went to performing arts, and you tried out. You had to audition. You had to have a, a serious piece. And, and um, I, I did a, a Shakespearean piece and I did a comedy piece, you know, to show that I had a, a range, you know. But you have to be chosen yeah. <laughs> from like 5,000 kids in the city. Right. And right. so you know you're bad, you know, when you get yeah. there. But then <laughs> you, you, want to, you want to master your craft. That's what you're mm-hmm. there for, taking voice and diction and taking dance and sometimes oh just all kinds of things you know you you would rehearse and practice and learn things and Suzanne Plachette the uh movie star oh so many of them came yes she's gorgeous by the way but so many of them came through that school and it was right there in Lincoln City in Lincoln Center in in Manhattan so you had the opportunity to see what was you know, what, what the city was about at a very young age. And th- the thing about it, you know, because all of these teachers were so intense, the intensive training that you were given. For instance, my drama teacher, Mrs. Shine, was just a gorgeous lady. And she was dating Marlon Brando at the time. So he'd come to pick her up for lunch, and we'd all be at the window. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really, just a marvelous. I mean, it was college preparatory classes, so you had to maintain a high average. But on the other hand, your shop, my shop, of course, was drama. And you studied mm-hmm. acting and you had to, you, we had the Stanislavski method of acting and, you know, you, you went through quite a rigorous training, but mm-hmm. it got you ready for the world. So by the time I was 18, I, st- I had a, a manager that was a very powerful manager, George Treadwell, who handled the Drifter. The drifter. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, honey. <laughs> Fabulous Faye. <laughs> and, and George. I was his last client because he had fallen ill and he, mm. he passed. He was with me for a couple of years, but he was mm. he was failing even oh, then. And his his wonderful daughter is an agent now here in Hollywood, you know, because oh. that's showbiz. You know, that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. But at 18, I performed my first theater was at the Howard Theater and the Howard Theater 
was uh, a very famous, what should we call this theater? It was a, a cultural, you know, it, it stands those theaters. The Howard stood for black culture in, in the city, you know, and mm-hmm. spread out through the world. But this particular show had the Temptations starring, and they were doing, um, ooh, babe, I'm losing you. You remember that song? Yeah. The big hit oh, yeah. for them. And they had that five mic, Hydra mic, with five heads on it on one stand, which hadn't That's been right. seen. And right. they were so clean in white suits, white tuxes. Ooh. And then Jimmy Ruffin's What Becomes of the Broken Hearted was out, was a hit at that time as well. So yeah, he was yeah. on the show, and Dennis Edwards was with the, what's it? Do you love me? The Contours before he joined the Temptations. That's right. That was a hot record right then. And Uh, Dennis was their lead singer. He hadn't gone into the Temptations at that time. And I believe that's where they saw what he really had. Because the girls, you know, Dennis gives love. And the girls were just (laughs) dying. They were just screaming. (laughs) So uh, where do I fit in here? I had no record. I'm a right. kid. I'm 18 years old, <laughs> but I had a powerful marriage. Mm-hmm. You can hold your and I met um, the thrill, the real memory for me. Aside, you know, I was a big Temptations fan. So aside from that, was yes. Tammy Terrell was there, oh. Oh. and she was just. Just the most sweet-natured, gorgeous, gold girl you had ever seen mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. and talented. I had mm-hmm. seen her at the Apollo doing mm-hmm. impressions and singing her songs, you know, when she was very young. Yeah. So, you know, you, you get to see the talent. And I used to – Murray the K was the, the DJ in New York oh, yeah. that the teenagers Murray. followed. Sure. <laughs> so, Murray the K, you know, they called him the fifth Beatle right. because he was so instrumental yeah. in bringing the Beatles yeah. uh, to success yeah. in the States. Oh, hey, we're talking music history here, rock and roll history. Suze Green and Sherry Payne, former ladies of Supremes, joining us. Um, when you get that call, uh-huh. Sherry – and they say, Ms. Payne, we would like for you to become a Supreme. Do you remember where you were when that oh, happened? Oh, I sure do. I was over at my best friend's house, who was my best friend to this day, Barbara Gaines, Walter and Barbara Gaines. Walter was a member of the group, The Originals, who made Baby I'm For Real, The Bell. I sure. was over at their house with my boyfriend at that time, who was Lamont Dozier. And uh, my mother called and said Mary Wilson had called me, and she had given the number. And Mary wanted me to um, join the Supremes. Actually, M- Lamont had come out to California from Detroit on business, and he ran into Mary at an uh, event, a party, I think, and she told him that Jean Terrell was leaving the Supremes, and he, could he suggest anyone to t- replace her? He said, well, sure, my girlfriend, Sherry Payne, blah, blah, blah. So she had had me to send, um, I sent a copy of our album, the Gla- one of the Glasshouse albums, along with some pictures and stuff. I sent it to her so that it was a Thursday, I remember, when she called back and my mother gave her Bar- Walton Barb's number, she called over there and she said, you know, I really like what I saw the pictures. I listened to the album. You can really sing. I said, oh, thanks. She said, I would love for you to come to Los Angeles. I said, okay. And she said, how about Saturday? I said, Saturday? And this is Thursday. I said, oh, dang. <laughs> and I said, well, she said, well, I got the ticket right at the airport. All you have to do is just come to the airport, blah, 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 blah. 
I said, oh, uh, uh, oh, okay. And so Lamont and Walt and Barb were just so happy. They were jumping up and down. So when Lamont took me home that night, I told my mother, I said, I told her what had happened, that Mary wanted me to join the Supremes. And I said, or to come out to Los Angeles, rather. And so she's, I said, I can't do it. The Supremes, am I crazy? No, that's too big. That's too big. I can't do it. Oh, but uh, anyway, she gave me that mother talk, mother-daughter talk. You know, she would always pump us up. She was so positive and always behind us 200%. So anyway, that Saturday morning, right. I went to the airport. Barb's uh, brother-in-law took us, Herbert Gaines, took me to the airport and um, got on the plane, landed in L.A., and Cindy Birdsong and her husband, then Charles Hewitt, picked me up, and we went straight to Mary's house, which I didn't know. And Frida was already living out here, so I thought they were going to take me to Frida's first. But nope, they took me right to Mary's house, and we started rehearsing because I did not know that they, we had a gig the following Saturday in New Mexico at their state fair. So this was a done deal, and they didn't tell you, really. They had already decided you were the yeah, one. Yeah, well, they said if I did a good job, then I had the job. I thought, well, die a week? And, you know, I, some people just know all those songs by heart, like Linda Lawrence. She knows every lyric to every song just about. But anyway, I right. had to learn all that stuff, that you know, um, choreography and stuff. So Mary said, well, I'll take a couple of these songs so you won't have so much weight on you. I said, okay, but we rehearsed every day, all day. And that following Saturday, we went to the state fair, and I remember walking in to the stage entrance, and all these fans were just yelling and cheering. And um, some were calling. They thought I was Diana. Diana, Diana, look this way, look this way, Diana. And I said, dang, I'm not Diana, dog. But anyway, we did the show, and um, afterwards, uh, the, our manager at that time was Bill Loeb. And he came in the dressing room. He said, you got the job. I said, I do. I said, oh, my goodness. But it was like unimaginable. And I called my mother and I said, Mama, I'm a supreme. I'm a supreme. So that was uh, October, I think, September, October 1973. And uh, from there, it never stopped. We did the Sonny and Shira show. I moved to Los Angeles, moved all my stuff, I think, in December or January of 74. And I moved into the same building as my sister, and I never looked back. We just went on from there. It was just magnificent. We're talking with Sherry Payne about the Supremes and the, the legacy. And I mentioned at the top of the podcast that it's a very small, exclusive number of folks that, that have been in that group. There were only it was always three on stage, but only eight total? Do I have my math correct? Yes, yes. Um, of course, Diana, Florence, Mary. Um, then Cindy, and then Gene uh, Terrell, then Linda Lawrence, myself, and then Say. Have at some point in your life you met the other seven ladies, all seven yes. other ladies? Yes, um, including Florence. Um, I met Florence. I may have met her in Detroit before the Supremes ever happened for me, but I'm sure I did. But uh, officially as a Supreme, I met her in 1970. Uh, was it five? We were at Magic Mountain, and she had flown out to stay with Mary. And um, I can even remember what outfit she had on. It was a green floral uh, pants outfit, top and a, a little tie blouse. And uh, she came out with us to Magic Mountain, and it was me, Mary, and Cindy. And then during the show, toward the middle and near the end, Mary introduced Florence, and the crowd went wild. Florence Ballard, yeah. sure. <laughs> original Supreme. 
it was just magnificent. You had mentioned, Cherry, the, the you know, a couple of times, uh, the dresses, the outfits, the gowns. That is certainly not as important as the music because the music is timeless and, and legendary, but that is a huge part of the Supremes' uh, mystique. If Well, the glam, because the Supremes are always known to be glamorous. Yes. Uh, even before... Uh, we got into the they got into the really jeweled gowns or rhinestone gowns. They were always glamorous and uh, class. That was always just to have class and their outfits were always classy. And um, the gowns that I wore that came from the original group. And then when Cindy was in the group as well, um, some of those gowns weighed more than 30 pounds. Is that right? And Hazel. <laughs> Bethy Kragulak, she was the secretary, and uh, she traveled with us, and she would have to hold the gown for us to step into because they were so heavy. Right. It's like, oh, oh my gosh! So you couldn't gain weight because it was you couldn't. I mean, the gowns are so heavy, you had to be, you know, light on your feet to move around in the gowns. They were spectacular. Bob Mackie did a lot of the gowns, and I'm trying to think some of the others. They were just spectacular, completely rhinestone from top to bottom, and uh, heavily, heavily rhinestone. And um, it was just, um, it was like a, a fairy tale. That's how it was. It was like a fairy tale. That's how I can describe it. I felt like Cinderella. <laughs> it, I did. I felt like Cinderella. <laughs> and in, in 1977, the Mary Wilson decided to step away and, and uh, pursue a solo career. And I guess mm-hmm. that left uh, the two of you, you and Suze, uh, there on your own. And, and you brought actually brought in a, another lady to perform with you, who you perform with now, Joyce Vincent. But... Motown had other ideas. They decided not to continue on with the Supreme's name. Yes. Well, Joyce um, had been a longtime friend of mine since Invictus Records. That's when we first met. And um, so we've been close friends ever since. And um, we, uh, I had told say about uh, Joyce, and we were trying to think of who we could replace Mary with. I mean, Mary's really irreplaceable. Right. She was there in November, but I told her about Joyce, and we auditioned many girls. But uh, when I told her about Joyce, we had lunch with her, and Suse took a liking to her immediately. She said, oh, yes, I agree. And um, so we told Motown that we wanted Joyce Vincent, and uh, everything seemed to be okay. And then one day we got the message that someone from the big, um, upper up said that uh, since there was no original in the group anymore they decided they would just retire the group and i thought oh no oh no now i said and now i know how mary felt when diana was leaving the group sure she probably thought that was the end yeah it was mortifying so and joyce had been in the, uh in tony orlando tony orlando and don so she, she had this original member yeah, a huge you know a national tv career and, and it could have gone but but the the three of you never performed then as the supremes i guess if I remember my, my Motown history correctly, you and Suze did a, uh, an album together as a duo. Partners, right, because that was when they put, uh, that easy came down that they were they were going to uh, retire the group. Then Suzanne DePass said, uh, well, what, what are we going to do with Sherry and Suze? She said, well, we don't need any more solo female singers. So what about you ladies teaming up together? As a duo, we said, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
And um, so we were both songwriters. So we went in the studio and we did, um, uh, I think I did about, we did about 12 of our own songs, each of us. Right. And um, then they hired uh, Gene McDaniels to come in to be the executive producer. And uh, so between Gene McDaniels and then Suse and I both produced our own songs. And we did, I think, one together, a couple together. It was a partnership. It really Mm -hmm. was in in the writing style, in the producing style. It was very important to us as women and as producers, which was our primary job other than to sing, to make sure that it had our personality and was done very professionally so we had to select someone and Jean McDaniels we we talked to a lot of different people about pro- producing Greg Fillingane uh, who's you know just pure genius sure mm-hmm. composer and keyboard player and conductor and director led Michael Jackson's band and I met Greg when he was 18. And he in Wonderlust, you know, Stevie Wonder. That's right. But but the thing about partners was this was different, and we all knew it. There were two women, very accomplished singers, who had been singing together and were able to vibe in the music together very well. And and only from a you know the fact that we had traveled together and had sung together the way we had there was a certain polish that we were able to establish in our voices we had very similar ranges either way you know either up or down and we both were writers and we wanted to present to the world something that wasn't happening anywhere else there weren't any other two women like the two of us with Mm -hmm. the kind of music that we had and Disco was going on. So we wanted to do something that we considered credible mm-hmm. during the disco area era that people could still dance their, their booties off to, you know. Sure, <laughs> you know, seriously. Mm-hmm. So so we had songs that we wanted to do on our own mm-hmm. and we, we melded them to a great extent. So was you there know, a we part were, then, Suze, for you, um, as the last Supreme where mm-hmm. it was kind of okay that, yeah, I'm sure there was some trepidation. You're nervous that the Supremes had come to an end, but, but now you're doing your own songs and songs that you and, and Sherry have written and you're no longer singing songs from, you know, the early sixties. Now it's your own thing. That's or, right. or on the other side, were, were you really, you know, uh, filled with trepidation about that big change in your career? Well, we knew it was going to that. It was kind of the goal, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. at that point for mm-hmm. it to change our careers and on a very high level, you know. Mm-hmm. But because it had fabulous uh, musicians and it lush strings and just all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. unusual instruments we got to deal with and just some of the finest musicians in the world, some flown mm-hmm. in, some, you know, it was it was heavy session. And we... We came to to make you know make them fit together as an album. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of that album. Me too. Still, Me too. still, it's just smoking. 
Mm-hmm. And available yeah. online, it's amazing. You can find all of these these sort of classic records that are that are out there and available for a whole new generation to discover. By the way, if you're just joining us on the podcast, Sherry Payne and Suze Green, former ladies of Supremes, joining us to talk about uh, their role in music history. Sherry, let me ask you about your role as as not only a woman but as a black woman in that time in that era. Was it mm-hmm. was it difficult? Now that you look back on it, was it more difficult for you to get things accomplished and get things done than than perhaps it would have been had you not been an African American woman? Um, you know that's a good question. I never really thought about it at that time. We were just interested in uh, music. I never thought about uh, uh, the ramifications of or. Uh, if it would be a negative being a, a black person, I, I experienced it much, much later. I remember in Vegas as an entertainer uh, at the Desert Inn Hotel when a security guard called me a nigger. Wow. And uh, yeah, yeah. But as far as I'm sure there were uh, times when it could have been better. Had I been white, maybe there would have been more opportunities. Right. But um I never really thought about it. I just kept doing what I was doing, just singing, because I love to sing. I love to write songs. And um, I can't remember. Maybe it's because it's been so long ago. <laughs> Suze, did it you ever feel true. like you were fighting with one hand tied behind your back? Did you ever feel like there were barriers that were thrown up either because you were a woman or because you were black? I have, you know, I grew up in New York City where there is a lot of opportunity if you have the uh, the will to find it, you mm-hmm. know, seriously, right. you mm-hmm. can find niches of education, of changing levels in every every creative way in in New York. So that was a blessing because mm-hmm. it 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 makes you know you can rise above race and still get done what you're doing. Sure. Mm-hmm. But you're always conscious of who you are mm-hmm. because people, people, you know, they put stepping stones in your way through the years. Sometimes yeah. things mm-hmm. happen, but, but Sherry had an interesting point, you know, as a creator, mm-hmm. as a person who creates music or poetry or art, let's call it art for mm-hmm. you know, the sake of, it covers all the music and so many other elements you're creating entertainment and see Sherry writes fit writes plays and and things that are going to be films mm-hmm. you know and and mm-hmm. i i'm doing the same things so you know our vision of ourselves has carried us through opportunity and blessing yes grace seriously mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. has put us at the right place at the right time mm-hmm. for the purpose to live out our destiny, you know, that's <laughs> but, but it's true and it's obscure, mm-hmm. but you see the, the creation, you have a spirit of something that you are, you are born to do and, mm-hmm. and you are na- nurtured to do. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you mm-hmm. have support from parents who were able to put you in the position to, thrive in right. your career right. and right. be educated and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's amazing 
the successes yeah. that you've had and that yes. there are other young girls of that era that looked up to you in those glamorous gowns. And I'm sure somewhere, some little girl watching on television, ladies, or seeing you at a concert thought, you know, if Sherry Payne can do that, I can do that too. If Suze Green can do that, I can Absolutely. do that. And that's an amazing, amazing gift. Um, hey, we're talking to the former ladies of the Supremes, um, and we're now, I guess, the point in your history where several years have passed, and someone has the idea, ladies, let's put the band back together. And Sherry, that happened, <laughs> that happened for you in, in the, the mid-'80s, and I wonder what your thoughts were. Did you think, you know what, that ship has sailed, I'm not interested, or did you think, this is a great idea? What do you remember about the former ladies of Supreme's launch? Well, actually, it was my daughter's father, Ronnie uh, Phil Ronnie Marlon Phillips, who's deceased now. He passed away in 2003, but it was his idea that uh, we reformed the group. We couldn't definitely couldn't say the Supremes, but um, he said no. He said uh, I've hooked up with these people, uh, Superstar International Records, and they had the idea of uh, you getting back together. You can contact Gene Terrell, Cindy Birdsong, which I did, and you'll be called. Uh, it'll be the acronym for the former ladies of the Supremes, F-L-O-S. We'll call you F-L-O-S. I said, okay. So I contacted Jean. She said, okay. Cindy said, okay. And we got together. Um, and we went to, I think it was, where was it? Reno, someplace like that. But we never got to perform. Something happened and we didn't get to do the concerts because the promoter was not right. But um, after that, Cindy decided she wanted to go uh, and pursue her evangelical career. So um, Jane called up Linda Lawrence and Linda came in. And so that was 1986. And uh, so we started off that way. And um, was there any pushback at all from Motown? Did they say, no, 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 you shouldn't do this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think after a while, because some people will call us the flows, the floss. It was was F-L-O-S, the acronym for former ladies of the Supremes. Right. And so, but, um, after a while, uh, after several years, they said we couldn't even say that. But in our contract, Ansu says, too, it said we could say, as long as we said formally of, we could, but we had to use our names. So that's how we got to be first uh, Sherry and Linda, uh, formerly of the Supremes, and now Sherry and, and Sue Say, formerly of the Supremes. So. That's an incredible badge of honor, Suze, to to be one of only eight women that have been in this, this right. legendary Motown group. And and I wonder if there are ever times when you you know you look over to the side of you on the stage and you go, I can't believe I'm doing this and I'm still doing this and I'm singing these still legendary songs. Does, does that ever <laughs> happen to you when you you know you're right in the middle of a performance and you go, This no, is of course incredible. every time, yeah. mm-hmm. every time. You know, it's every such time. a it's such a, a delightful thing to to sing songs and and even some of your own songs, you know. Mm-hmm. It's sure. it's wonderful to get to travel and yeah. to sing these songs for people who love these songs mm-hmm. and know the lyrics and know the <laughs> melodies and mm-hmm. and are, are cheering you on still because that ideal is so strong. Mm-hmm. That from that original, you know, because the the music, the way music affects people, mm-hmm. and the time of their life that it comes to them, mm-hmm. it has held on to these people 
all these years this all same music because it's still magic. Yeah, and sometimes they know the the lyrics better than we do. <laughs> you got to look at their mouths moving to get back into it. Yeah, I hear you. That's right. <laughs> but you know about all those eight ladies and Barbara Martin was in that yes. uh, original group. Right. Barbara Martin. Um, but I think back, wow. I said, I am so blessed. I said, you know, in the beginning, things happened in such a whirlwind that I didn't have a chance to be nervous or anything. But then when I think back, wow, I'm so blessed to have had all this put on me and into me. I mean, God, of course, God knows what he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. But when I think about it, because I wanted to be a doctor starting off, like, what did I know? A pediatrician. And then I ended up after high school, I went on to, uh, instead of singing like my sister did, she couldn't wait to get out of high school to go sing. And she started off with Pearl Bailey. But I, in turn, when I graduated two years later, I went to Michigan State. And that's where I was for five years. And I got a um, Bachelor of Science in Medical Technology. But I knew I didn't want to be a med tech. And I was just mm -hmm. doing it to, you know, it, make my mother happy and right. her, her friends put a smile on her, their faces. When I initially said, Oh, I want to be a doctor. Blah, blah. Then I said, oh, I'm going to be a medical technologist. And so when I graduated, I came home, I knew I didn't want to do an internship in a hospital for a year. So my mother said, well, you're going to do something after I spent all this money, $1,200 a year, <laughs> <laughs> a year. <laughs> but, uh, so I said, well, I'll teach school. So I took start taking classes at Wayne State to get certi certified for my teaching certificate. And I was teaching at, I was substitute teaching. And then I got a, a regular uh, position at Grayling School of Observation. That was a uh, school for ungraded boys, delinquent boys, actually. And I would go home with a migraine headache every day. I imagine. Oh, oh I said, I don't think mm -hmm. this is for me. But anyway, I did it until I joined the um, uh, Invictus Records in the Glass House. But I never knew that uh, it would end up like this. Otherwise, I would have prepared myself more. Instead of majoring in uh, uh, med tech or pre-med, I would have been taking music classes um, or drama classes. Like something. that Suze Green. You know, she had it all figured like out. Suze, see? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was so a plan, mother, you know. Yeah. Our mother growing up, uh, for Frida and I, we, she made us take um Piano lessons, seven and a half years. Ruth Johnson was our teacher. Seven and a half years, and we had ballet uh, classes and etiquette classes. And she was trying yeah. to prepare us, not knowing how, what it was going to end up. But she wanted us to be ladies, first of all. And um, I think our mother did a pretty good job. I Just think so. The Vivian Green. Oh, <laughs> oh well, I, we tried. I, I found yeah. found you all to be wonderful ladies, and and when I met you, I one of the things I was the most nervous about, Suze, is this reputation of the divas, you know, the supremes, oh, my goodness. the ultimate. And I saw none of that. So where does that come from? That that diva reputation, Suze. I don't. I. The word diva has been pushed around quite a lot of different ways. Yes, Originally, of course, it was opera singers, the lead ladies who who had a, an attitude sometimes that were vastly talented. <laughs> you know? uh, Sherry, one of the other things that's interesting about the Supremes is that you, uh, the former ladies of the Supremes, have a, a large following, a, a gay following. 
And I wonder if, has that always been the case? Is that a more recent thing? I really don't know. I mean, it's, it's always been the case, I think. Maybe it's because of the glamour, the wigs, the gowns, yes. the makeup. Yes. It's uh, the earrings. The earrings. <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> you know, the fans talk about it. They love the ideal. Of of getting glammed up, yeah. obviously, and, up. and mm-hmm. feeling sort of fabulous about yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. It's, it's marvelous. Yeah. They, it's they it's just interesting to see these uh, the, these two groups of men that are both checking you out. You've got yeah. the gay men that yeah. are checking the gowns out, and you've got the straight <laughs> men that are checking you out through the whole show. And they're standing right next heart. to each other, and it's all good, you know? So you know Music brings them heart. together. But you know what? I, I never liked that term diva because mm-hmm. I thought of it as a negative, like, so, oh, she's being a diva, like right. she's yes. from the opera. I never mm-hmm. thought that was a compliment to call somebody a diva. Yeah. So that's my own personal opinion. Well, not in the modern sense, you know. I mean, to me, a diva is like RuPaul. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know. Oh. I oh, think RuPaul is, yeah, well, no, he's diva, you know. He's, he's blonde and he's so tall, you can't yeah. help but see him. And he's always going to be the most glamorous in every detail. And mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> but everybody, I don't know, these are times when, when I think everyone, because it was, it was, was it um, coming out day mm-hmm. just yesterday or and Ooh, okay yes national mm-hmm. national event i guess but right but people deserve at this time you know we're going through times this pandemic and all of this Ooh, yeah. we are going through as a as a, a, a group of people the world mm-hmm. affected by it you know where everyone deserves to feel as good as they can as yes as much as they can right now yes. that's what I, I wish i'd wish upon anyone and everyone right now because mm-hmm. there's so much you know mm-hmm. so and, and we're all conscious of it as human beings we're yes. touched in so many right now of the so many of the same ways to our, mm-hmm. our families our surroundings our mm-hmm. where our, what our spirits are how do you keep your spirits up how do yes. you protect yourself and your family and mm-hmm. how do you not lose a sense of yourself and your freedom? You know, it's it's quite yeah. a lot on the whole world. It is. And that's impressive to me. Mm-hmm. So it means it must be for an important reason mm-hmm. that we are facing something that, what, a year ago? Oh, my goodness. We didn't know existed, couldn't, ex- couldn't know mm-hmm. in any way that mm-hmm. it would happen. Mm-hmm. And here we are, and we yeah, are. Yeah. It is a part of our life, right? Yeah, now. that's you know that's yeah. what's what we face every day. Mm-hmm. It's, a, I, it's awful. I know it is. I I hope people can help each other enough to recover. Yeah. Yes, because there's the desire. A lot of people around the world want to help others and mm-hmm. they're stepping up in all kinds of different ways, mm-hmm. humanistic ways. Mm-hmm. We are on the same path mm-hmm. that if we don't, you know, take we'll care. Prepare. We need to yes. treat each other with respect. That's right. Too. That's right. 
Sherry, when when you guys perform and and you often perform overseas in the Middle East and mm-hmm. in Europe, you sing songs as the former ladies mm-hmm. of Supremes that that are almost guaranteed to put a smile on a person's face. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, it's physically hard. It's hard not to smile when you hear this. Oh, yeah, you know? I mean, you know, it just brings happiness to people. And 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 I would imagine, Sherry, it's got to be tough for someone like yourself who has spent the better part of the last five decades traipsing all over the planet singing happy songs to not be able to do that It's right hard. Now. It is hard. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough, Very isn't it? Hard. All the entertainers, like both Broadway's closed down, I think, until what, March of next year. You think sure. of all the talented singers, dancers, technicians, actors. Sure. Film productions, sure. Film productions, yeah. All those behind-the-scenes sure. people, yeah. Sure. You know, when you're that creative people, I, like, I need to be creative. And if I'm not, I get very depressed. So I've gone through deep depressions. But, you know, and I write screenplays and stage plays, so that's helped me a bit. But during this pandemic, I haven't written one screenplay, not one thing. I've written some little ideas yeah. down for dialogue or whatever, but I have not actually worked on a yes. play. It's hard. Typical of me. Yes, it is yeah. hard. It yeah. is. And there's our families to consider, and yes. you know, people. We're we're home a lot, and your dynamic mm-hmm. changes of of what you can achieve. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of things to deal with. You know, I've got two grandchildren who are in school here every day, and it's mm-hmm. it's an entirely different level of in of in. Oh, they're doing the online yeah. school at yes. home with you, yes. and they're so way ahead. I'm. Uh, I'm so happy, you know, that they're ahead, but they're smart and they're encouraged yeah. here, Ooh, encouraged yeah. to read and encouraged to to ask and to learn, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole that's a whole other part of yeah. of the adventure <laughs> that we're mm-hmm. going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to keep these but, kids motivated, that's I'm that to say granddaughters are so smart. Pretty girls are so smart and love school. But for so many mm-hmm. of these kids, especially teenagers, it's really hard. I mean, to be isolated like that, they can't see their friends. They can't really go out and do things like they used to do, play basketball or whatever. It's, right. just, it's just awful. Oh, my goodness. It's a, it's whole, a whole different, different world. world. Hey, before we wrap up, ladies, I, I want to ask you both a couple of rapid-fire okay. questions here. All right. We'll start with you, Suze. Favorite <laughs> classic Supremes song? Oh, my goodness. There's a few, but, but I didn't Come need to have to. Sherry Payne, favorite classic oh, I think Supreme maybe the song? The first hit they had, Where Did I Love Go? I remember mm-hmm. I was at Michigan State then and I was going yeah. to the, my, cutting through the dorm, going to my uh, uh, quantitative analysis class. And I heard this bump, 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 mm-hmm. bump. And I, it was, I was passing these girls' room, going through the dorm, and they had the door open. I went inside and I said, oh, What's that? They said, What's the group about this? It's talking about this group in Detroit called the Supremes. I said, Well, I've heard of them. I'm from Detroit. And that's my, I think, all-time favorite and the next one is <laughs> my, my world is empty without you yeah yeah, so yeah i love that song. too great mm-hmm. song yes suze favorite motown group other than the supreme uh, could be a solo artist uh, favorite motown artist other than uh, the supreme well i you know i know a lot of 
people. So I I wouldn't want to insult Drop anyone. Come on but, you know, I do have things that I listen to a lot, of course. <laughs> and yes. a lot of Stevie Wonder, a lot of oh, so many yeah. artists, so many. Diana mm. Ross, you know, we, we learn those songs and the, those tracks are in the pocket. So you mm. sing to those tracks, you know. But mm. But you can't break it down always to your favorite artist because I think it changes and uh, I think with everyone. And you were a part of the Stevie Wonder Songs of the Cure yes. Life, which is, is a pretty good yes. album. You know, let's mm-hmm. just put it out there. You know, that ain't your change <laughs> to be a part of that. Well, well I, don't, I don't want to tell any, any anything. I don't want to give away any anything, but but I, I know that I, I can't say I know. I'll just say I believe that he has more music in him. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, all right. We have an exclusive here. All right. All right. All right. Sherry Payne, other than the Supremes, favorite Motown artist. Marvin Gaye. Hands down. Marvin Gaye. Yeah. I love Marvin yeah. Gaye. No Ooh, question. No question about it. Marvin Gaye. He was the man. All right. Ooh. Fair enough. Fair enough. What was it about Marvin Gaye that, that just brought it, it started home? started off with, well, I always liked it before that, but when he came up with What's Going On album, <laughs> sure. whoa, he was yeah, before changed. his time. He was yeah, you're right. Before his time. Mm-hmm. I agree, mm-hmm. Sherry. That Ooh. changed music. You know, popular yes. music changed yes. from those chords and those mm-hmm. harmonies and Ooh. that frame of mind. Oh, it was Ooh. a deep album. Still. lyrics. That's right. Mm -hmm. All right. And and last question, Suze, your most memorable Supremes moment. Oh, how could I ever? How could I think of that? (laughs) Just so I know you're doing the same thing I am. Just seeing place after place after place. I just I just say that, you know, Mary and Sherry and I were really fantastic together mm-hmm, we hit that were. stage we had the same kind of intense desire to really fire it up you know fire up mm-hmm. the stage and sherry Payne, what about you do you have one moment that stands out for you your your supreme supremes moment there were so many uh well of course when i uh, performed with diane and her return to love tour in 2000 that was just Oh, overwhelming. But as a Supreme, I'm trying to remember maybe when I first went to Japan. Um, wow. Uh, oh, gosh. Oh, South Africa. Yeah, that was pretty I'm memorable from what you've told me. Yeah, they still had apartheid going on then. So okay. I, can't, I can't label it. I can't just wow. put, label it down to one or narrow it down to one. There were several, several. And and you're right. You did mention that you went out with uh, with Diana Ross on that uh, that reunion right. tour mm-hmm. in 2000. So I remember being in Grand Central Station. I was there when you did the big press conference. Wow. I was in the room. Yeah. So cool. I was there to announce that people went wild. <laughs> so amazing. That's fantastic. Ladies, I love that you that you took time to spend uh, with me to talk about this legendary group that you both uh, you know have the opportunity to be a part of and uh, and i really thank you for for all the music and all the years that you put smiles on 
people's faces. Oh, Thank you're so welcome, Burke. This was wonderful. It, it brightened up my afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fantastic good. to hear you. Yes. Thank you, Suzanne Green and Sherry Payne, former ladies of the Supremes, and we hope to see them back out on the road again Yay. soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.